Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. the Lord. God is good to us. Amen. He really is good. I hope you're ready to receive the word of the Lord today because I have got a word for you that I'm going to share today here in just a few minutes as I get all my resources together and that kind of thing here. How many are having a good time in life? Really? Are you having a good time? Are you enjoying the presence and the goodness of God, the grace, the mercy that he gives us throughout this life. This is a great, great, great uh, time to be alive today. God has done so much for us. His goodness and grace just overshadows us in everything that we do. And you know what? It's good. Don't let the world uh, take you down. Uh, They might want to go down, but I'm not going down with them, are you? No, not at all. No, I am not. I'm having the time of my life enjoying myself. I don't know that I've ever had a, a better opportunity for things in life than I have now. I have great health. I'm thankful for my health, and I'm just blessed by that. I'm blessed by uh, the love of my life, uh, living every day with her and enjoying my life with, with her and my family. I, I'm blessed because God's taking care of me financially and have no worries, no concerns. I mean, every, every, uh, every metric that I look at uh, in my life turns up good, and I'm thankful for it. And I've come to the conclusion that the honoring God and doing it God's way works. Doing it God's way works. When you do it God's way, it works, it works, it works, and it works. And so, you know what? Uh, don't live your life in fear. Don't live your life uh, struggling uh, with what the world says about you or what the world tries to uh, do toward you or, or their kind of uh, situations where they would try to uh, mold you and craft you into who they are, that kind of thing. And what you'll find is this. I mean, if you think about in the time that we've been uh, in this, what they call this pandemic and that kind of thing that uh, I guess started uh, first of last year, about this time or a little earlier than this uh, last year, and they took some precautions. In the, you know, remember that two weeks to flatten the curve? You remember that? Somebody stretched that thing out, didn't they? Stretched it out longer than two weeks. But you know what? But my flir- uh, f- a curve was flattened long before that two weeks ever started. I'll tell you what. But anyway, they said, give us two weeks. And then they told us to do these things and do this and do that and do other things and do this and all that. Well, now, thank God that uh, uh, many things are happening that are positive and good and restrictions are being lifted. And in the state of South Carolina, there is no more mass mandate anymore uh, in, in South Carolina. Uh, most of the stores uh, have uh, lifted them as well, that you can just go in freely like you normally would do. That kind of the social distancing things have been lifted, that kind of thing. And uh, a, lot of good, a lot of good things have happened uh, in America. But still, I find some people that don't want to accept the change back to being good again. Have you noticed that? They want to keep on going like it's still there. And, you know, they say follow the science, okay? If you want to follow the science, the science has changed. And the science has uh, told us what the circumstances are. And so it's time to get out, go back to work, and get out and get on with your life. Somebody say amen. Amen. Time to get out. Now, you know, you can follow the signs. You can follow the Lord. And uh, God will take care of you. He won't let anything back. The Bible said, read the 91st Psalm. 
God is on our side. No plague will come nigh your dwelling. A thousand fall at your left, ten thousand right hand. It will not come close to you. And so God's word is true, amen? He has never, ever lied to me. He hasn't lied to you. He has never lied to anyone. And so we give him all praise and we give him all glory. And we're going to live our life as, as a testimony to others. And so we won't be hampered down by fear, doubt, unbelief, and all these kind of things. No matter how much the world wants to try to keep pushing it on you and that kind of thing. Some people don't know how to take yes for an answer, so to speak. Or some people don't know how to, uh, to take, you know, it's better now. Uh, things are doing good. It's over. They don't want to hear that anymore but it is you know and so if it was holding you back uh, you can get released now um, because God's had you released a long time and now you know science is beginning to agree with that as well so I'm thankful for that I am thankful for that extremely thankful for that okay anyway enough of that said I'm just trying to encourage you to get on with the things of God in your life let me get to where I need to be right here let me turn on my Sheila pad here all right and we got an iPad. You got an iPad? You got an iPhone? You got a Bible phone? Whatever. Okay. Oh, had the wrong code there. Got me in. All right. Let's make our confession today. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name, shout hallelujah, amen, never be the same after God's Word has touched us, oh my, oh my, I'll tell you what, you can't begin uh, confessing the Word of God without God just coming alive in your heart and your spirit, let me get right there, okay, come on up there, it comes, okay, all right. Let's look just real, real briefly to the book of John, and I'm going to share just a few more minutes with you this morning as we talk about a little bit about the high priestly ministry of Jesus or the present day ministry of Jesus Christ, what he is doing right now. A lot of us sometimes we have an understanding that uh, Christ came to this world and he died for our sins and uh, he paid the price, our sin debt on Mount Calvary that he washed away and purchased from our sin there. Thank God for that. I can never praise the Lord enough for what he did for us on the cross. And so I value the cross. I mean, without the cross, we would not have our salvation. The price would not have been paid. I am so grateful for what Jesus did. on. The... Nobody else could have done it but the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the only one that had sinless blood. Nobody else would have done it because nobody loved you like Jesus has loved each and every one of us. And so I can't say enough about my expression of my love and my gratitude of what God has done for us at the cross of Christ. I bow my feet, I bow my knees at the cross of Christ. I recognize the ground is level there. All of us are equal there. And God's blood was purged since there to purge us of all of our sins. So I'm grateful for that. But let me tell you something. Your salvation is not complete if Christ only was crucified on a cross and if he only just resurrected from the dead physically, if that's all that he did, there was not a completeness yet to your and my salvation. I understand the scripture says when Christ was on the cross, he said it is finished. He was talking about the payment for the sin debt was done on earth and the death and the blood had been spilled. That part was finished, absolutely. But there is more to do because Jesus gave us an understanding that in the book of John. After the resurrection, 
after being three days and three nights in the heart of the earth and being raised from the dead. The Bible said in the book of John, chapter 20, let me just sort of bring it down where we might be. Uh, we can come on down where Jesus is talking and uh, um, the, the Mary, the woman that is there, uh, hears her name called. And the scripture says in verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said to her, Touch me not. Everybody say, Touch me not. Touch me not. Don't touch me right now. There there has been a purification process that Jesus is in, and he's not allowed to have anyone touch him until he does something. It's just like the high priest, exactly like it. The great high priest in the old covenant, when he was cleansed and had all of his ceremonial washings and prepared himself to go into the Holy of Holies, he would not touch anything except the sacrifice that he was making at that time. And so Jesus says to her, Do not touch me. I am not yet ascended to my Father. I haven't gone up yet to my Father. Now, now remember, the rule is, Mary, don't touch me because I haven't yet ascended to the Father. I haven't won up to the Father yet. He's not talking about the time that he ascends 40 days later. That's not what he's talking about. Because in just a little bit of this chapter, you'll see that later on, he appears to the disciples and he tells Thomas explicitly, Thomas, touch me. Come here, put your hand on my side. Put your fingers here. You can tell. And so somewhere between the time of Mary and the time of Thomas, just a few hours later, somewhere between there, he cannot be touched and now he can be touched. And he said what was going to happen between that time was that I've got to send to the Father. Jesus made a trip to the Father in that short period of time and came back to earth. There's something he did. He just didn't go up there just to talk to the Father, see how things are going, how things are doing in the universe, that kind of thing. No, he had a task that he had to perform, and it involved him being in this high priestly role of don't touch me yet. I've got to go before God the Father. Now, notice he said unto this. He said, but go to my brethren and send to them, I ascend unto my father and your father and my God and your God. And so he's making a trip to heaven at this time. There's something that he has to do. We learned when we looked last week about this, we learned that Jesus has become our great high priest. There's a lot of names for Christ. But certainly this is one, and you can see it somewhere on my word cloud there, that he is, I think it's in blue, he is our great high priest. Jesus is our, everybody say high priest. Now, now not just a, a regular priest of the temple and those kind of things, which is a, a really a higher office, of course, than regular Jewish people would be, but this is a, the high priest. He is our great high priest. And the scripture tells us in Hebrews 9, turn over there real quickly, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. Turn there so you can see it, and it become a revelation to you. In, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11, the Bible says, But Christ, being come a high priest, he is a high priest. Okay? Now, I know, and we're going to talk about that. I know he's a Savior. I know he's a Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. We understand all that. But he is a high priest. And the high priestly ministry of Jesus began after he was killed on Calvary, after he became the lamb that was slain for us, and after he rose again. That's when he begins to walk in his high priestly ministry. And do you know that most people never think about Jesus in that, in that role? Most people only think about him 
as our Lord and our Savior, which is good, absolutely. I'm not taking anything away from it. I'm just calling attention to what Jesus has been doing for the last 2,000 years. But most of us only think about him historically as what he did on the cross, paying the sin debt, and as we should. But your thinking should not stop there. That's not all that took place. Something more took place, and it had to take place for us. The more you understand this, the more you'll understand your authority in Christ Jesus and what God has empowered you to do. If you only, if you only understand Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and what took place in the Gospels, you will have an understanding of a historic Jesus of how he lived and what he did, people that he healed, people that he preached to and talked to. You'll know all of that, and that's great. That is our foundation, absolutely. But you won't have any understanding of the new creation and what God has done on the inside of us. That Pauline revelation that Paul gave us. That understanding that Luke just followed him around in the book of Acts, writing what Paul was talking about and what he was doing and hearing the message that he preached and he taught. Understanding who we are in Christ Jesus. If you only stay in the Gospels, you'll understand that you're forgiven. And you must. You'll understand what God did for us. And he did everything for us. Thank God for it. You'll understand all those things. But you really won't come to a full understanding of who you are. And that's been the weakness of the church over the last several thousand years. We haven't understood fully who we are in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. Well, I want to know about who I am. You say, do I know everything about it? No, I don't know everything about it, but I've learned a few things. I've learned a few things, and I'm learning and growing each and every day of my life, and I'm thankful for that. And, and the more I understand who I am in Christ Jesus, as, as also understanding what he did for me, then I understand the greater is my Christian life and the greater authority I have in this life and what God will do for me and what he does through me and in me and what I do in and through Christ Jesus as well. And so, in Hebrews 9 11, he become a great high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. You understand that when God told Moses to build a tabernacle in the wilderness under the old covenant, that he told him, he said, build it after the pattern I will show you. In other words, he was building from the blueprint God gave him of something that existed in heaven. In heaven. In heaven there is a throne room. In heaven there is a presence of God. In heaven now there's that brazen... You can read about it in the book of Revelation chapter 4 and 5. And you can read all about that throne room and you can see what is going on and what's taking place and the prayers of the saints that are being given there and the vials and the odors that goes up before God and the praise and the worship and the sea of glass and the altar that is before God. All of these things, the mercy seat that is before God, all these things are in heaven. And Moses was building a pattern of that or a type and a shadow of that so we would know how to understand what Jesus has been doing for the last 2,000 years. And so, so notice what it said in Hebrews 9 verse 11. By, come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, and that is to say, none of this building. In other words, none of this world, none of this earth. The, the tabernacle was made on earth was one made by hands. Moses' hands and, and the artisans that God gifted to do that with. But this tabernacle we're talking about now under the new covenant has not been made by hands. It's one that's been made by God. It is in heaven itself. Verse 12, the Bible says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. Under the old covenant, my sins would have been atoned for. You know what the word atonement means? Covered. Listen real carefully. Check me out on this. Under the old covenant, our sins were atoned for. They were covered. If you have a concordance, you can look it up. You can do it on your, your tablets, those kind of things. Look up the word atonement. 
You'll see it in the Old Testament. You won't see the word in the New Testament. The word atonement does not appear in the New Testament. Because the word atonement, look it up again, and in the Hebrew and you'll see it means to cover. Under the Old Testament, God, through the sacrifice of bulls and goats, heifers, all these kind of sacrifices they made, God would take the innocency of the blood of that dumb animal and equate it to you and me and say, that's your innocency now. And I recognize it about you. And because of that, I'll look over you. I'll cover your sins. I'll cover your sins. The New Testament, when we understand the New Testament teaching, we don't have an atonement. We have a remission. A remission of sins. My sins aren't covered. I've been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. My sins are gone. Amen. They sung that song at one of the funerals. Our sins are gone. They are gone. Gone. Absolutely gone. Remitted. You ever paid a car payment or house payment and you gave them that remittance advice? That money's gone, isn't it? That money is gone. It's not so hanging around. It's not just covered up. I mean, try calling the bank and say, why didn't you make your payment this week? I did. It's covered up at my house. Well, you better uncover it and get it down here. You better go ahead and remit that to us. Huh? So we don't see the word atonement under the New Testament. We're, we're, not, we're not just covering sins. We're being made a new creation in Christ Jesus. Our sins are remitted. They are gone. Gone, all right? Neither by the blood of bulls of of goats and, and calves, or blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, God's blood. Under the old covenant, we were covered with animal blood. Under the New Testament, our sins are remitted with God's blood. This is God's blood. This is a holy thing. It is the blood of the Son of Almighty God without sin, completely without sin. That's why nobody else could make this atonement. Nobody else could make this remission for us in the New Testament. Nobody could do that. Nobody, everybody else had sin. I mean, hey, you can look at disciples. Most all of them except John gave their life for the gospel. Sure they did. They laid down their life. But them laying down their life didn't save one person. Now, did people look at them and get inspired and understand they're being a martyr and be encouraged to keep on keeping on for God? Sure it did. Sure it did. But he didn't wash anybody of sin. It was the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus only that did that. It was God's blood that did that. Notice the blood he entered in. Notice he entered in. Not with blood of animals, but with his own blood he entered in. Where did he go? He went into that tabernacle that's in heaven. He went into the throne room of Almighty God when he said, Mary, touch me not. I've got somewhere to go. I'm headed to make the sacrifice complete. I'm headed to offer the blood before the Lord Jesus Christ. He entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. He did it one time. He didn't need it. The, the high priest in the old covenant did it every year. He had to do it every year. And because those sins, remember, it was not possible for the blood of the old covenant from the animals to cleanse us of our sin consciousness. It was not possible for that. And if people today still have an understanding that they're forgiven based on Old Testament theology, that's one reason they still have a sin consciousness. But under the new covenant, we are not conscious of our sin, not conscious of the sin because it has not merely been covered, it has been remitted. If you ain't got it, you don't know it. <laughs> if you don't have it, you don't know it. And that's what Jesus is. He's our high priest. We looked at that. We also saw, look, look with me real quick in Acts chapter 4. 
Acts chapter 4, verse 12. The Bible says that neither is there salvation in any other name. No salvation in any other name other than the name of Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Acts, it teaches us, it tells us in verse 10 of Acts 4.10 that by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, a person was healed, a person was delivered who could not walk and brought healing. They all thought the disciples did it, and that's the common way of man. They're looking for man to do something. But man didn't do that. Jesus did it. It was faith in the name of Jesus that did it. And Peter is preaching them in verse 12. He said, there is salvation in no other name. There isn't salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In no other way. There is no salvation under any other name. Again, we live in a free country. Everybody's free to worship anything they want to worship. They can worship a dog, a cat, a stick, a tree, a cloud, a spook, anything they want to worship. Money, whatever they want to worship. But not one of those things will cleanse them of their sin. There is no salvation in any of those things. They may be very dedicated, very committed, very sincere. You can sincerely worship a rock if you want to. But a rock ain't going to save you. Amen? There's only one that saves, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. There is salvation in no other. Somebody said, that's awful narrow-minded. Absolutely. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I'm as narrow-minded as Jesus was. How about you? Amen? I like being that narrow-minded. I do. I like that. I like that. All right. We looked at that, and we saw how Jesus was our Savior. Not only as our high priest, but he is our Savior. He, in fact, he is the Savior of the whole world. He has done what is necessary for the whole world to be saved. He is their Savior. The whole world may not accept it. The whole world may not receive it. They may not believe it. They might not access it, but it is available to them for he is the Savior of the entire world. And he's the one and only. Ain't another. It's only him. And in fact, the Bible teaches us as we look at the salvation that he brings to us as Savior, not like under the old covenant, but under this new covenant. In 2 Peter chapter uh, 1, the Bible says in verse 4, that were given in us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be a partaker of the divine nature. The salvation that Jesus gives us is one that allows us to partake of Christ's divine nature. Divine, divinity, God, the nature of God. That's what's different about religion. I understand people use religious in various forms. Of, by the most part, I don't like the word religion. I understand when they talk about all these different kind of religions, what they're trying to say. But in Christianity, we really do not have religion. It is not like that we pick up a creed or a code of conduct and we begin to say, yes, that's a good principle. I'll abide by that. That's a good principle. I'll abide by that. Hmm, what do you say I do? Oh, you say when I come into the church that I bow at the pew and I walk over to the pew and I sit down, I bow there and I sit there in quietness and I understand that religious actions that some people do, I'm, you know, depend on how they do it. If they do it of the heart, it could be worship. If it's not, it's just a religious ceremony, uh, some kind of function, that kind of thing. There's all kind of things we can do that are, are religious, those kind of things. But that's not what Jesus gave us. When we got born again, it is not we just decided to live right. We decided to adopt these codes and laws and commands and scripture. It's not that. What it is, when we become born again, something happened on the inside of us. You know, before salvation, 
I love to sin. Did anybody else love to sin before you got saved? Let me count all the halos in here. How many loved to sin before? I didn't love the effects of all the sin and some of the consequences that came every now and then. But you have to admit, I mean, sin, the Bible, most, the Bible says about Moses. He chose to leave the pleasures of sin for a season. Somebody, you know, some Christians sometimes will say, well, there's nothing, you know, happy about sin. You ain't done the right sin then if that's what you're thinking because there's some, there's some sin out there that can get you happy. I mean, they are. Now, it won't last and it's going to cause you problems and it's going to be issues in your life. But your old nature wanted to sin. It wanted to do wrong. Loving you is wrong. I don't want to be right. Remember, it wanted to do wrong. It wanted it. It liked it. Enjoyed it. It was natural. It comes natural to the flesh, man, to sin. You hit me, I'll hit you harder. You lie to me, I'll lie to you. You cheat me, I'll cheat you. You get me, I'm going to get you. That's the natural man has that in it. Now, the problem is... When some people have very uh, difficulty in their Christianity is they do not get born again. They get religious. And what they spend their weeks and days, months and years trying to do is stop doing what they want to do. And they're trying to fight themselves and they're trying to stop doing it now. What happens though when you become born again, you become a partaker of the divine nature of God. And so on the inside of me, there became a new creation. Now, remember, I got the outside of me I deal with too, okay? But on the inside of me, there became a brand new creation on the inside. And that inside new creation that had the divine nature wants to live, act, walk, and talk just like God. That's what it wants. It wants to be just like God. Why? Because it's part of God. It's His divine nature that He has imparted into every person that has been born again. Have you been born again? Say amen if you have. Then you have that, you have the want to in you. The old timers said it like that, that you know, took out the want to. Don't want to go where I used to go. Don't want to do what I used to do. Don't want to be like I used to be. Got a brand new want to on the inside. And that's what you get when you get this real thing called salvation. You get the real want to has changed. Now, that doesn't mean that you not, might not have to battle the flesh or people from exterior or opposing things or demonic spirit and everything else that might come against you, that this world will bring against you, even, even through the corridors of the mind and those kind of things. Doesn't mean you don't have to battle those. Doesn't mean you don't. But notice what he said, that by these precious promises, it's by these, these precious promises that we are partakers of the divine nature. The stronger you walk in the Word of God, the more you fill yourself with the Word of God, then the greater the revelation of God is in you and the greater that divine nation functions on the inside of you. And that's the problem that we deal with today. We deal with a lot of people where the world tells you this, 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 and this, and this. And they don't hear it one time. They hear it twice. And they don't hear it twice. They hear it a third time. And they hear it all day long. And they hear it all day the next day. And all day the next. And all day the next. And the world just bombs them and bombs them and bombs them with the information of the world and the information of Satan and all the ungodliness and unbelief and doubt and fear and failure. And they're told everything from the time they are born in this world until the time they actually begin to have their mind renewed in Christ Jesus. But up until that time, the world is teaching them and schooling them and training them to act like the world, walk like the world, talk like the world to live it just like the world's got it. And that's what happens. Sometimes you can see people scared to death out there today. I understand there's a real virus. Ain't nobody lying, okay? I understand some folks have lost their lives. I understand that. 
I'm not saying things aren't real. What I'm saying is, is that the God I serve is great enough to keep us in anything. The God I serve and whose I am, he will keep me in all of his ways. And again, as you heard me say before, what if you got the virus? Well, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Amen. What if you died with it? I ain't planning on it, but glory to God, I'm headed to heaven. I mean, there just can't be any fear in any step of the way. Can't be any fear in any step of the way. And so I'm just believing for the best every single way, and I thank God that God is honoring that, and you know what? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trusting in the Lord. But if you listen to the world, the world will bomb you in every kind of way. And they have told us one thing one week and one thing one month and come around two or three months later and told us something else. Then backtracked on that told us something else. And told us that, I, I wish they'd get the story straight. But you know what? The Bible talks about a guy who is the liar and the father of lies. It's hard to get your story straight when you listen to a liar. Somebody say amen. <laughs> and the world is full of liars. Now, are there some good folks on his heart? I'm sure there are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just take everything you get, take it to the word of God, and let, let God do the separation. And he can do it real well. And so we just, we just, we just trust it. But see, there's that difference. You've got that divine nature on the inside. You just pull toward God. You pull toward God. Somebody asked me something early on. Why don't you do this, that, and other? I said, I don't know. I said, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're talking about that I ought to do. I can't argue with you naturally. But somehow, that when I live and I walk and I talk with God, and I talk to him every day, and he's in my heart and in my life, somehow I just feel like that he, he's going to keep his hand on me. And somehow I just feel like I, I would be offensive to him. If I did some of the things, not everything, but some of the things that you're talking about, God's real. He is real. How many of you ever been through the fire? I've been through the fire. You've been through the fire? And when you go through the fire and God comes out with you on that fire and he brings you out on the other side, you don't even smell like smoke anymore, and you got the victory, you know that God is real. This is the real deal. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody fudging on this thing. This is the real deal. He is our Savior. We talked about that. Let's, let's go one step further. He is our mediator. He is our meter. Remember, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He is our mediator. He is our go-between. Turn real quick to Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. He is our go-between. Do you know that as a sinner, you got no rights with God? Well, if we want to qualify it just a little bit, you, you got one, and that's to ask for forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. But it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that you could do that. Okay, ask the Lord to come into your heart and life. But you got, as a sinner, you got no rights. You don't have an audience with God. You can't talk to him anytime you want to talk to him as a sinner. You don't have the right. You, I mean, you know, God is holy and he is just and he is pure and he is all righteousness. In heaven, God in his throne does not allow wickedness, sinfulness, and evilness there. Amen? I remember Ann Esther used to tell Fred Samuel, get your evilness out of here. Well, God don't allow no evilness up in heaven. There ain't going to be no evilness in heaven. God is holy. He is righteous. And so I can't even come in before God and ask God to forgive me if I'm a sinner. On my own, I can't. I can't do it. I don't have rights. I don't have privileges. You ever had a doctor and a doctor didn't have privileges to the hospital? Some, some don't. 
and they, don't have, they can't go into the hospital, that kind of thing. They've got to do all the work outside. If you go, you get another doctor, that kind of thing. You don't have privileges to get in before God as a sinner. There are none. You don't have any. The only way that a sinner gets introduced to God is by the Savior, who at that time becomes your mediator. He becomes your go-between. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2, 5, there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Only way you get into God is through Jesus Christ. Somebody says, are people going to be saved? What about good-hearted, wherever these people are at, good-hearted, loving, kind people that uh, wouldn't hurt a flea, wouldn't do anything like that, but don't know Jesus? Are, Are they going to be saved? No. Not without Jesus. There is one way to God. Everybody say one way. And there's one way to get there through one man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. Everybody say Christ Jesus. Bottom line, you don't get to God through Christ Jesus, you don't get to God. It's the only way. He's a media. He introduces us to God. Now, the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Everything you need is in Christ Jesus. Oh, my. Verse 20, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, or having made peace through the blood of his cross. Peace has been made with God through the blood of the cross of Christ, and it is himself, it is Christ Jesus, is the reconciler. He is the one that reconciles. You ever got your bank statement at the end of the month, and on the back of the statement they print out a little sheet back there, and you fill that form in the right way, and you put the balance in the right places, and at the bottom you, you reconcile it using their form. Well, I don't use that. I created my own form that I, that I do a lot easier than that. But uh, anyway, but it does the same thing. Well, well, I'm the reconciler, or you're the reconciler. When you're looking at your checkbook and you're looking at the bank statement and you're reconciling them, making them the same thing. Christ is the reconciler with the sinner and God. He is reconciling us to God. But he's not lowering God to come in a little bit of sin, a little bit of God. No, he is reconciling us based on us being washed in the blood of the cross. We have been cleansed, made whole by the blood of of the cross. Verse 21, it says, And you, who sometimes were alienated, aliens, we were outside, alienated, enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. I was an enemy with God. I wasn't on God's side. I was an enemy to God. And verse 22, in the, whole, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy. See that? When I was first introduced to God, I wasn't a sinner. When you were first introduced to God, you weren't a sinner. No. Christ had cleansed you of your sins. And as mediator, he introduces you to God to present you. Notice it said, to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. When I was presented to God, when you were presented to God, the work had been done. I couldn't get in an audience with God unless it had been. The work had been done that I was now holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. So when God met me, he met me all good. When God met me, he met me holy. When some of us think about you know, our old miserable rotten selves, and we've all been there, and me too, okay? But what you're missing is you try to bypass Jesus to get to God in your miserable rotten self. And you don't get to God that way. The only way you get into God is go through Jesus. And when you go through him, you don't come out miserable and rotten on the other side. 
You, you ever wash something on, on, on one side and had to wash it again because it wasn't clean? Or maybe you know, time gone by, Sheila and I have, a, uh, I have a spot or something on my shirt, and, you know, and back in the day she'd say, well, put your coat on right there. Maybe your coat will cover it. That's sort of like atonement. Your coat will cover it. But then we found this stuff called OxyClean. You ever use OxyClean? Put it on there, and boy, it takes the stain right on out on it. You don't need it covered because it's gone. When I met Christ, my, I met, met God, my sins were gone through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he, you know, all he knows about me is good because he knows me through Jesus. Because he knows me through Jesus. That's how he knows me. All right, we looked at that in the media. Now let's look a little bit in New Testament. Intercessor. Look with me, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Hebrews chapter 7 and then verse 25. He is our intercessor. Hebrews 7, verse 25 says, Wherefore, he is able, able also to save them to the uttermost that, he comes, that comes to God by him, seeing that he ever lives to make intercession for them. You know, so, so look at it. He is our Savior. He did all the work on the cross for us. He has introduced us to God through mediation, brought us to God in salvation, cleansed of his blood, and now Christ Jesus is interceding for us. Christ is praying, intercession, another high-level word if you want to call it, for the word of prayer. And so Christ is interceding for me right now. Somebody said, y'all pray for me. Well, okay, I understand that. Y'all pray for me. Or if I'm up north, say, you guys pray for me. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. We want some people to pray for us. Well, Jesus is praying for me. And Jesus is praying for you. Right now, he is interceding for us. Because what happens is when we come to the Lord... And he washes us clean and purges us holy. Uh, some things have went on in our spirit, man, and our nature has been made new. But then I got this mind that's been schooled and trained by the world. In my case, for 20 years, the world had taught my mind what is and what is not. What is up and what is down. What is right and what is wrong. The world had taught me all of that. The world had given me things about myself, who I was. How I was to think about myself. None of it was good. But how I was supposed to think about myself. How I was supposed to approach the rest of the world. How I was supposed to... All that stuff I got from the world, they taught me that. One of the greatest things children of God can do is renew their mind. And sadly, one of the few things that gets done in the church today is people don't get their minds renewed. I mean... uh, (laughs) You remember I told you about Fred Price? I was thinking the other day and I heard my favorite minister. He's a great guy. Afflo Cow out of South Africa, and I was listening to him the other day, and he was talking about, you know, he said, uh, what was it? Nobody told me that the way would be easy. I heard Alf say that, and all of a sudden my mind went, oh, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And while I'm doing that, all of a sudden I hear Fred Price coming into my mind. And Fred Price said, Leon, didn't Jesus tell you? Didn't he tell you that his burden was light and his way was easy? Didn't he tell you that? Yeah, he did. He did, Dr. Price. He told me that. Uh, He being dead yet speak, you know? Oh, glory. But so you got to get your mind renewed to that stuff. And I'm not talking about people going through hardships and difficulties in their life and saying, I'll just give up because things got hard. No, we don't do that. We keep on going. We, we go through it. And is every day just going to be the bed of roses? I, most of mine are. But if I hit a difficult time or a hard situation in my life, uh, then I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to stand strong. Ain't nobody saying nothing. But, you know, our mind has to get renewed to what Jesus said about us. And I have found this out. The longer you serve God and you apply the principles of God into your life, the longer you do that, the easier it gets in your life. The more you renew your mind, the easier it is. 
and this stuff about the way of being hard and rough and tough and all that, I'm not talking about people in countries and different places where there's great persecution, like we're beginning to have here in America in a lot of ways in our life. I'm not talking about, I understand that, I understand. But even in the midst of that, in the midst of that, we can keep our joy. In the midst of that, we can keep our happiness. In the midst of that, we can have our mind renewed by Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why? He's praying for me. Leon, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Leon, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Why? I'm praying to the Father for you. Now, sometimes you ask people to pray for you. You ever done that on Facebook? And, and how do they pray for it? Click, like, mm, go on. Mm. You got a hundred millionth of a second worth of prayer from somebody just then when they clicked like for you. And they forgot all about you for the next 25,000 years, whatever. No, Jesus is interceding for you right now. Everybody say, Jesus is praying for me. Jesus is interceding, and he is praying for me. Now, I'll tell you what, I, I discovered something. <laughs> it, it, I hadn't seen this for a long time, but I saw this. In the book of Luke, turn with me there, Luke 22, verse 31. Do you remember when Peter, who had just got through telling Jesus, ain't nobody, I mean, everybody's going to desert you, but not me. I mean, you know what? Nobody will stand with you, Christ Jesus, but I will. I'm, I'm there. You can count on me, is what Peter said. When Jesus is praying for Peter, here's what he says. And, and, and we know what happened in Peter's life. He denied the Lord three different times. And he wept about what had took place. And he repented. He comes back to the day of Pentecost. You see, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And has more boldness and courage than anybody you've ever seen. And, and so God did a great work in Peter's life. But how did he get to that place? The Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. You know, the devil's got a contract out on you. The devil has asked for you. The devil wants your soul. He, I mean, he wants everything about you he can get. If he can't get you a spirit... He'll get into that soulish man and try to oppress you and depress you and discourage you and fill your mind with all kind of trash and stuff. If he can't get that, he'll get into your body trying to do all he can there. If he can't do that, he'll try to get into your work opportunities, the situation, your finance, get into your relationships, get into a relationship between you and your families. I mean, he'll fight you in every way that he can possibly fight you. I mean, all, so when's it going to end? When you walk through the pearly gates. Up until that time, that adversary is going to be after us. But thank God he is a loser and the father of all losers. I like that. He is. He's a, he ain't never been anybody a bigger failure as the devil. The devil is a loser. He used to be in the throne room of Almighty God that Jesus is the high priest over. He used to be up there himself doing the things that he did. And he, he was so stupid, he got kicked out. So foolish, he got. It's unbelievable. The idiocy of the devil. But he did it. He did it. So he became a big loser. But what, what did Jesus say? He said, Peter, this guy is after you. He wants you. Now notice verse 32. Or verse 32. But I have prayed for you. Jesus says, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. Don't turn there. But in John, remember when Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus? He's out there. He's fitting to tell Lazarus to come forth. And what he says is this. When he gets out there, he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And he says, I know that you always hear me. 
And when Jesus prays for you, you can count on his prayers being answered for you. Because God always hears Jesus. Now, there are some people God don't always hear. I mean, this man talked about we know what God doesn't hear sinners. Unless they can come through the name of Jesus as a sinner's prayer. Other than that, you know, it ain't happening. You don't have that authority. You don't have that right. But with Jesus, Jesus always gets through to God. E.W. Kenyon talked about it like this. When people lose their sense of righteousness, then they lose their place and they come find themselves in a place of condemnation. And with a place of condemnation, they don't get their prayers answered. And then so, but Jesus never comes into a place of condemnation. He never loses his righteousness or sense of righteousness. He never comes to a place where his prayers are unanswered. And so I can always know that the person that is praying for me, the Lord Jesus Christ, he said the Father always hears him. Always. Never not hears him. Always hears him. Well, and then as we look back then, in verse 32 of Luke twenty-two thirty-two, 32, he said, I prayed for you. So God heard him when he prayed for Peter. But now notice, I prayed that your faith should not fail. I pray that your faith won't fail. You're going to get caught up in this sin, reject. But I'm praying that your faith stays strong between you and God. That your faith does not fail. Now notice this. Immediately Jesus says, this is what I discovered a few months ago. Immediately Jesus says, and when you have returned to me, he ain't returned yet. He ain't failed yet. But Jesus is talking positive, isn't he? I prayed for you. In other words, like somebody said, pray for my financial need. I said, all right, I will. All right, when you get that 10000 make sure you give me 100 of it. I'll be by tomorrow at 4 o'clock to pick it up. Now, you, you, you actually think they're going to get it. Jesus actually thought that Peter was not going to fail. His faith was not going to fail. Oh, he's going to fail with some sin and things going on. It was horrible. It was terrible. Sure it was. But his faith toward God, his, that nature, his faith toward God in him kept him strong. And brought him back to the foot of the cross once again. Thank God for that. Thank God. And Peter, and Jesus said to Peter, he said this. He said to him, when you have returned to me, then go strengthen your brother. So when Jesus prays a prayer, he prays a prayer that's going to get answered. And it's going to get answered the way that Jesus prayed it. And so when Jesus is praying for me as an intercessor, he's interceding for me. That, that I do not walk in sin. That I do not have a place of my mind being controlled by this world. And Jesus is praying for me to be renewed. Let, let me show you that. Look with me, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Real quickly. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Now, this is how we were. A lot of people want to stay there, but, but you're not there anymore. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Scripture says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. That was us before we were born again. Now, I've read the King James language. Quicken, that means made alive. God has made alive we who were dead in trespasses and sin. As far as God was concerned, in my trespasses and sin, I'm a dead man. As far as God concerned, I don't exist. I, 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 I'm not worthy to enter into God's presence on my own in my sins and in my ungodliness. Now notice, verse 2, Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world. Notice, that's in times past you lived like the devil. In times past, you walked in the course of this world. In times past, you did everything else the world says to do and the way they told you to do it, the way they said to live it. You did that in times past. Not now. Times past, you did that. Well, according to the prince of the power of the air, who's running the world? The prince of the power of the air is. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. I'm not disobedient. I'm not a child of disobedience. 
I'm a child of righteousness. I'm a child of God, not of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom also we have all had our conversation or our manner of life in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as others. That's what was going on then when by nature we were children of the devil. So by nature, when I was a, a sinner, that's why I wanted to sin. That's what was in me. It was my nature to sin. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I should have wanted to do. If it was the devil that was controlling me, it was his nature that was in me. It works that way. And so the only way that I can not want to sin anymore is i got to get a new nature. And that's what Christ Jesus did for us. He departed us his new nature. Now, the thing is, notice you've been living all your life walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. You've been walking as disobedience, all this kind of stuff. You've been doing all that stuff. And you come to God and you get saved. And then you say, well, I'm saved now. Okay, I'm, I'm following Jesus now. And you've got a nature that wants to follow Jesus now, wants to do right. But your mind isn't fully convinced. And your mind still wants to live just like the world. Your mind wants to act like the world, talk like the world, do what the world does. And you, what can it do? It's all it knows. It's all it knows. And so what you have to do is renew your mind. Renew your mind. Look, you're there in Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 verse 22. The Bible says, and put off concerning the former manner of life, the old man. The old man has got to be put off, which is corrupt. He'll kill you if you keep listening to the old man. He's corrupt according to deceitful lust, and, but do what? Verse 23, and be renewed. Where? In the spirit of your mind. Get your mind renewed. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And so that is what we are doing, and that is what Jesus is helping us to do. As we are born again, and, and, and our lives have been given to the Lord, and we face this sin, and we face that sin, and that circumstance, and this and that, and we have the Holy Spirit that is touching our hearts and lives. Oh, don't go that direction. Don't do that. Don't do that. We have the Lord Jesus that is in this seating for us, and praying for us, that our mind would be renewed to the righteousness of God and true holiness of God. The mind has to be renewed. But if you don't renew the mind... If you do not renew the mind, your mind will still be battling against you all the time. You'll be wanting to do what the world wants to do, act like the world, all this kind of stuff, through the mind now, through the mind. But on the inside of your heart, you know that's not right. You know you shouldn't be doing that. And you know you shouldn't take part. And you know you shouldn't want that. And you really don't in your mind, but the rest of you does. And that can be cured. That can be alleviated. It can be made right by the renewal of your mind. How does a renewal mind take place? Number one, you have to recognize that you are wrong. I'm wrong. In other words, I, I come to the Word of God, and, and the Bible tells me to take no thought for tomorrow, what I put on, what I wear, what, what I eat, all these kind of things. After all these things, Gentiles seek. Don't you know that your Heavenly Father will take care of you? That's what the Word tells me. Don't be anxious. Don't take thought of it. But now, on the other side, you'll want to look at your financial condition or other circumstances in your life. Maybe it's your health and something else, and you want to worry. And you want to get fretful, and you want to get anxious. You know why you want to get anxious, fretful, and worry? Because that's what the rest of the world does. Why? Because they don't have God. They should be. Why are some people scared to death? Because they are scared to death. They are scared of death. They are so scared of death. Scared of death. Let the world tell them anything. Because they're scared to death. They are scared to death. 
And the thing what we have to do in our hearts and our lives is this. We have to have our mind renewed to where I'm no longer going to worry about the circumstance situation, not going to worry about finance, what I put on, what I eat, not going to worry about it. Why? My Heavenly Father's going to take care of me. Well, I, I know that verse too, Leon, and that's in you know, Matthew chapter 6. Now, I understand all that stuff too. I, I, I hear all that, but, but still I worry. You know why? Because for year after year after year after year after year, the world has pushed worry into your heart, your mind, your spirit. And you went and got one verse one day, one time, looked at it, said, oh, that's nice, that's great, I wish it were true, and walked away from it. You had mental assent to it, but you did not have God-given faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You need to come to that place where you take the Word of God and, and when you catch yourself, when you look at yourself and you catch yourself worrying or fretting or being anxious, you go to the Word of God on that circumstance or situation, read what God says about it, and say it to yourself again and again and again and again and read it to yourself over and over and over and over. Do whatever you have to do until you believe that more than you believe what the world is trying to tell you. Until you do that, your mind won't be renewed. You got to renew. I mean, once you've been, uh, you know, you ever had a path out in the woods that you walk a certain way and uh, you sort of the grass lays to the left and to the right and that kind of stuff. And maybe there's not even trees there and you got a path going that way. Well, if you walk to that same location again, you generally always go down that path because that's the easiest one to go through. Same, like, same thing like currents in the sea. There are uh, paths in the ocean. Same thing with air currents. The, the, you know, airplanes get up there and they find certain paths in the, uh, the air and that kind of stuff. And they go with those currents that are even in the air. There's thing, we build those things like ourselves with our habits, the way we talk, and the way we think. And if you've got one that you just built in there year after, I ain't going to never be anything. I ain't going to have nothing. You know, nothing's ever going to be any good for me. Uh, it's never been any good for anybody else in my family. Why should I be any different? I'm no better than anybody else. And, you know, I can't see how it would. And after all this kind of stuff, you know, and you just, you've got that in you year after year after year after year. And then you want to come along and say, my God, supply all my needs according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It sounds good. It sounds good. Wish it was so. It is so. It is so. But you won't believe it until you hear it. And you hear it, and you hear it, and you make a decision. I am not going to be in doubt and unbelief and fear and failure. I refuse to let my mouth talk that way. And the way to cut your mouth off is cut off in your mind. Okay? I refuse to let my mind think about it. Not going to dwell five seconds on that. Not going to think about that one time at all on that. None. None. Going to believe God. Let it go with that. Stay on God's word and trust God to bring it to pass. And that's it. That's it. And you have to do that about all kind of issues of your life. Well, it's Christ that's praying that you'll do that. Now, the Bible talks about that, that when we believe God, it's the hope of glory that you do. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I mean, you, you, you know, you're developing Christ in you and his mind and his understanding, his thinking in your heart and in your life. Let me bring you one other place and I'm going to close it right here. Go to the book of Romans. Romans Last, last book we're going to look at, book of Romans. What's it got? 16 chapters. Anyway, book of Romans. Chapter 12, verse 2. The Bible says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be renewed or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind will transform you into another person. The renewing of your mind will transform you. The word transform comes from the word metamorphosis. It is a supernatural thing that happens as when the little bug becomes a, um, a butterfly. A metamorphosis takes place. Something happens on the inside. A change. When you renew your mind, it will transform you. If you don't like who you are, don't be concerned or worry about it. Get your mind renewed and you will become another person. 
renew your mind, it will transform you. Okay? Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? See that? They say, you better look out. This thing going to kill you. Hey, hey, man, God's on my side. You kidding? You kidding me? What can the world do to me? God's on my side. God be for, who can be? Ain't nobody can be against you if God's for you. Look what he said. Verse 32. Who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall we not with him freely give us all things? You mean to tell me I'm going to starve to death? And, and God gave his son, Jesus, the dearest possession that he had? And he gave his son, Jesus, who didn't have to die for anybody, God of the universe. He gave his son, Jesus, down Calvary for me. And now you're telling me he won't give me a few dollars? Are you nuts? You thinking I ought to be worried about that? Worried about I won't make it in life? Worried about I can't do something in life? Are you crazy? My goodness. No. If God gave Jesus for me, he ain't going to hold nothing else back for me. That's good and profitable for godliness, as the Bible teaches. He's not going to do that. No. I tell you what, I, mean, I, I can give you a lot of money. I mean, you want money, I'm going to, you know, you say, hey, man, uh, give me your son or your daughter or, or, or give me 20000 I say, here's a check right now. Here's 20000 Go ahead. You can have the money. You can give them the kids. You can have the money, though. But you can have the money. And so if God gave his son for us, hey, money ain't no problem. God gave his son for us, healing ain't no problem. Sound mind ain't no problem. Good relationships ain't no problem. I mean, if God gave Jesus for you, he ain't going to hold nothing else back. That's what he said. Now, notice what he said, verse 33. Who shall, be, or who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who just... Ain't nobody got no right to say nothing about me or you when we are justified in God. Amen? Amen? And you hear that all the time. My favorite one that I hear is this, particularly if you get on social media. Don't be judging anybody now. How many's heard that? They all say that when you talk about sin, right? Now you're going to judging. Yeah, I have. I'm going to judging. But I'm judging based on what God said in the Word. It ain't my personal judgment. It's what God said about it. I'm not the one that he said to you that if you did these things, you'd find yourself in the lake of fire. It's God that said it. Talk to him. He's the one that said it. It's God that justifies. Not me. It's him. And so there's plenty of people who try to bring a charge against you, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'll tell you what, you preach some of the stuff that we're talking about here. Uh, Brother Hagen made a, a life ministry preaching along this. And one of the biggest complaints I heard about Brother Hagen, many people, oh, he's just prideful and boastful. No, he wasn't prideful and boastful. He just knew who he was. He just knew who he was. And he told us we were the same thing. He never said he was something I couldn't be. He never he said he was something you couldn't be. He said, we all can be this way. But you'll have people throw stuff against you. All, all this kind of stuff. I mean, your God's just too good. Well, he is too good. Yeah, he is too good. I don't agree with you. He is just too good. He is awesome. He is good. He is good. Finally, look what he says. Verse 34. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died. If you got any faults with the believer... If you got anything you want to bring against the child of God, go to Jesus. 
He's the one who died for us and gave us this kind of relationship we've got. He's the one that made our ways blessed. And so if Christ who died, and furthermore, is also risen. Not only that now, don't stop there. That's a good place to be now. He got to die first. And he's also got to be risen. That's good too. He's got to be risen or the dying part don't work if you don't have the risen. But, none, but, but being dead and risen doesn't work unless you got the rest of it who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. He's already made it into heaven. He didn't go back just because he's going home and said, I'm tired of you people on earth, I'm going home. No, he went back to heaven, his home, he went, and this earth as well. He went back to heaven. He went there for you. The Bible says to appear in the presence of God for us. He's there for me. Right now this earth suit is keeping me confined on planet earth. This thing we call flesh and blood is holding me down and holding me back right now, and all of us is. That's why Paul said, I'd rather go on, but it wouldn't be best for you. I'd just soon go on. But it's holding us down right now, but it doesn't mean we don't have an appearance before God because we've got an advocate with the Father. We've got an intercessor. We've got a mediator. We've got a Savior. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's appearing in heaven right now for you and me, every one of us, every one of us. So thank God for the cross. Thank God for the resurrection, but don't stop there. Go on and look at what Jesus is doing for us right now in the here and now. God's good to us. Amen. Stand up with me this morning. God is good to us. Somebody say hallelujah. Come on. Say praise the Lord. Come on. Lift your hands up to the Lord and worship him. Come on. Worship him this morning. Just give him praise. Give him glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done for us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you did for us what nobody else would do, Lord. God, I give you praise, almighty God. Thank you, Father God, that you, by your blood, Lord Jesus, you've made us worthy, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for us, Lord. You've made us your righteousness, Lord. And we give you the glory. We give you the praise, Almighty God. Lord God, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the audience with the Father that you give us, Lord. Thank you that my words right now might be spoken on earth, but are now being sounded out in heaven, Lord. God, you are the high priest of my confession, Lord Jesus. And I give you praise, O oh Lord God. Hallelujah. Let my words always align with your words, Lord. Let them be faithful words, Lord God. Strong words, Lord. God, dependent upon the Holy Spirit, feed that word in our hearts and in our life. Lord God, we give you praise. We give you glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hands toward heaven. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I give you praise and all glory. Thank you for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to bear my sins on the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for taking your blood before the Father that shows my righteousness is in the blood of Jesus. And I give you praise for all that you've done for me. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. I give you the glory. Thank you, Lord. I'm healed. I'm whole, Lord. Thank you, Lord. My nature is yours, almighty God. And I give you the glory, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father. You've overcome the devil for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. We give you praise. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody say, I believe. I'll just be happy. Say this, I believe. I'll just go ahead and be well. I believe. I'll just go ahead and be what God wants me to be. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is good, isn't he? Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Good to see you this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. 
And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you. 